Hi, everybody. It's Ryan from Pi Records. I'm here with Mark Malibu of Mark Malibu and the Wasegas. How you doing today, Mark? I'm doing awesome. Thanks very much. Very nice to finally meet you. Yes, yeah, very nice to finally meet you, too. You have a, a wide history of... Um, it's a wide history <laughs> with a gap in the middle of the size of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, Basically, right? uh, yeah. So when I, I was a kid, I go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. So, yeah, okay. So when I was a kid, uh, we I used to spend the summer with my grandparents in London every year. And in 1977, you know, little 13-year-old me was wandering around London. All the punk rock explosion was happening. So I came back wanting to start a punk band, you know, but when you're 13 and you're living in the suburbs of Toronto, nobody, nobody was into punk. They didn't know what it was back then. You know, most of my friends were into Aerosmith and Sticks and Boston. So by 1979, I had a band called the Degenerats. And as much as we called ourselves a punk band, we would play like Rolling Stones and Beatles and Paul Revere and the Raider, as well as like Ramones and Pistols. But Kind of as time got going, uh, I wasn't loving playing punk rock anymore. I want to do something different. So, and then like three things happened really fast. Our, our um, well, I went to a record show and I found this huge stack of Ventures LPs and they were all like totally brand new, two bucks each. So I brought home 10 Ventures albums that day them because there was hot chicks on the front covers. I didn't know anything about the band. It was way before YouTube. So I started playing along with these Ventures albums and like that week I wrote the song with Sega Run. So that was like written in 1979. Um, and then as the band was still playing, uh, our bass player became a born again Christian and he kind of wanted to back away from all the chaos of the punk scene because it was getting crazy and violent and whatnot. So he left, and then we, we were going to play our last party. We used to play, play house parties. And, and the house parties we play, like Scarborough is the suburb of Toronto. And it's basically, um, if you think of the movie Wayne's World, Wayne's World is based on Scarborough. <laughs> so there was all these rock dudes and baseball hats and lumber jackets. And even though they didn't know what punk rock was, they knew they hated us. So there was always be fights at parties and bottles tossed our way. So it was kind of dangerous playing these parties. So Grant wanted out. So we played our last show as the Degenerates and there was a huge brawl at the party. And the guys came back later on like home invasion style with baseball bats and chains and two by fours and held a bunch of the guys hostage. So when they left, they'd stolen the PA and some of the amps and stuff. So I was sitting with Steve one day and thinking, like, what are we going to do next? I said, we're going to be a surf band. So the Wastegas started practicing in 1980. Um, we did one show in a bar, just like three songs, um, three or four songs, like Pipeline and Wipeout in a bar that year, although the original drummer wasn't at that show. We had my friend Paul who played drums with later on with the Doughboys. And uh, then in 81, we started playing downtown. So we could get into some bars. We were only 16 and 17 years old. And we were mainly playing with like hardcore bands. So all these crazy hardcore Mohawk guys would be like slam dancing and, and jumping all over the place when they were playing. And they liked us. 
it was it was kind of amazing. And uh, then we played with kind of artsy new wave bands. But once we all graduated high school in 1982, uh, we just went our separate ways and did different things. But we kind of had become the touchstone of surf in Toronto. Um, there was these guys from a band called, um, oh my God, I can't remember their name now, but they eventually became shadowy men in like 86 or 87, whenever they started. You know, Reed, Reed Diamond was like a, a, a friend from the scene. He was playing with a band called The Good Guys back then. He would always come to see us play and he told me he always wanted to start a surf band. So I was working in a music store downtown and he came into the store and he goes, Mark, Mark, I finally got this band, this surf band. You've got to come and see us play and they're playing across the street in the window of a restaurant. So they have <laughs> all three guys in any showcase window with a little speaker hanging outside. <laughs> and that was the first shadow show. That's so cool. because we, yeah, you know, and they're real, I can't tell you how nice all the guys in that band are. They really, as legendary as they are, they, they could be not nice, but they are, they are the nicest guys. And um, so years later, they started doing surf battles in Toronto and the guys who started it kind of knew I had a surf band. But I would say, listen, man, I, I didn't play guitar for decades. I didn't touch the guitar. I, 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 my, my wife didn't even know I played guitar. And uh, then I got asked to play in a rockabilly band, which, you know, and I turned that down. I didn't, I didn't want to be in a band, but they kept on losing guitar players. So I thought, oh, what the hell? So I joined a band in 2012 called the Millwinders. And that, this, Singer in that band and bass player is actually Sarah from the Surfer Jets. Oh. So we played for a couple of years, but that, that band was cursed. Um, but that got me playing guitar again. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to try it with Sega's reunion. And we reunited in 2014. And since then, we've done like three albums and, and toured up and down the East Coast of Canada, you know, so... There you go. There's, there's like a real compact story of the Vegas. So you have um, two albums avail available on streaming. So I've seen uh, um, the two songs that stuck out to me were Crazy Mouse and Oceanside. Oceanside yeah. is beautiful. So Oceanside is actually, that's one of the few uh, version, uh, versions of someone else's song that we do. That was written by Gary Usher, who did all those surf and hot rod albums in California. So I love Oceanside. That was a song we did in the original band, and it's a song that we continued to play with the reunion, but we don't play it with the band anymore. Um, Crazy Mouse was just, uh, you know, it was a song we did, and I said, Steve, we got to do something with the drums a little differently. And if you listen to his drumming, all the drum rolls actually go up as opposed to down. Oh. And I mean, so if you listen to him, it's like, and we're playing really fast. And I remember rehearsing that and he was breaking sticks left, right, and center and swearing his head off. But uh, yeah, I really like the song Crazy Mouse too. And it's actually based on, I used to work in the summer at a fair and they had a ride there called the Crazy Mouse. So that's why it, it kind of goes all over the place and, and things go backwards because that's what the ride does at times. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but we do have three albums, so I just, I decided not to put the third album. It, you can download it digitally at Bandcamp. It's called Dance Party A Go-Go. 
So you can download the first 12 songs, I think it is, or 14 on Bandcamp. If you buy the CD, there's an additional four songs um, on the LP. And those were four songs that we did uh, during the lockdown. Oh, wow. So you cool. get extra. I'm just not going to put it on Spotify. It's not like I make any money there. I figured they've got the first two albums. If they want any more, they can buy it. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So you said LP. Is that on vinyl as well? The third one will be on vinyl. I didn't want to rush to print vinyl only because um, we're not playing. You know, I sell most of my CDs and records at, at shows. In fact, I make more money selling T-shirts, CDs, and records than we get paid from, from playing. Really? You know, the band will make four or 500 bucks and I'll split it to the band and then I'll make like another 800 bucks selling records. Because, you know, there's not a lot of surf bands in our area that have vinyl, you know. Um, we're generally on colored vinyl, which helps. Full CDs, like people see it. And I don't charge much. It's like 10 bucks for a CD and 20 bucks for an album. That's a good deal, yeah. you know. And uh, so I, I'm more interested in selling music to people that want to buy it. I'm not, not going to give it away on Spotify. I've had it with those guys. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Um, so for people such as myself, I don't know what was Sega's means. Where did you get that name? So with Sega is it's an actual beach in Ontario. When I was trying to come up with a name when I was a stupid 15 year old kid, um, um, I, first of all, I started with Mark Malibu. I, it was, you know, annotate like, that kind of made sense. It's like Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten. I'm going to be Mark Malibu because I'm a surf guy. With Sega's, there's this huge beach in Ontario, and it's like the largest freshwater beach in the world. But there was it, it really fallen into disrepair through this, the 70s and the 80s. And it was like a biker hangout. Teenagers would go up there and get drunk and, and wasted. And, and it was like a dump. So I thought that sounds perfect. We're the Wasegas, you know, so that's where that came from. And, and, the, and I'd never actually been there. I only went there for the first time, maybe 14 years ago, because I used to hold an Elvis fest there. So there so you go. That's where Wasegas come from. So it's kind of like Rockaway Beach. Yeah, except for Rockaway Beach has rides and, and stuff to do. <laughs> and Wasega Beach just had bikers and broken beer bottles. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you have, well, we, your last album was out 2019? Uh, Crash Monster Beach was 2019. And then I released Dance Party A Go-Go at the beginning of 220. I just did it digitally because I didn't know how long the lockdown was going to be. So I thought, right. you know, I've got some money invested in the recording, so let's recoup a bit. So I put it out digital. And literally on the first day of December, I got my order of CDs in. So I have CDs for sale now. I just oh, haven't great. announced anything because I, I, I don't know if you saw my website. I've been doing that big benefit for the Cat Sanctuary down in Grand Bahamas. So that took my whole November and December. Wow. Yeah. So what do you have coming up? Uh, you have the new release, the new CD that you did during lockdown. Um, but you have, yeah, some, we, you have some vinyl coming out? So we'll have, we'll have yellow neon vinyl for Dance Party A Go-Go. That'll probably be ready for the summer. 
that's the full album. That'll be on Sharawaji Records. Um, they've been very good to us. And then I also have a song coming out on the new Missing Fink compilation, the Vincent Price compilation. They're just oh, starting yeah. to advertise the band. So I'm pretty stoked about that. It's some really good bands. My buddies, the Green Reflectors and the Urban Surf Kings. Plus there's like the Hitchcocks and Master Chops and uh, Atomic Mosquitoes, who I love, you know. So it's that's going to be a really great compilation. And at some point in the year as well, I have a four song EP coming out on Missing Fink as well. And um, actually that gets mastered tomorrow. So I don't know when uh, Johnny plans on releasing that. I haven't really talked about it too much. Awesome. Yeah, that was the first place I heard uh, uh, was Sega's uh, was from Johnny. He mentioned you and then I saw him, he posted a picture. I'm like, well, I have to go check these guys out. So I, I, I the only way I could do it was online, you know. So because sure. uh, I don't have the vinyl, and uh, I was like, oh, these guys are pretty aggressive, and but still with a lot of melody, and um, but I'd I'd like to hear you describe your music in your own words. Well, you know, my greatest influence is like, because I got into surf kind of so long ago, uh, my influences are more bands like the Beatles and the Monkees, Paul Revere and the Raiders. And then when it comes to surf, obviously the band that got me down the instrumental rabbit hole was the Ventures. You know, it was, you have to remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, there's no YouTube, there's no internet. So, and plus I'm a kid into weird 60s music. So who do you go to to learn this? There was a record store downtown called uh, Jerry's Record Jungle. And he was this, um, he was like an old biker guy who just kind of retired and opened a, a, a record store. And he um, really knew the 60s. And I told him what I liked. And he goes, trust me, I'll bring you in some albums and just pay me, you know, what I asked. I said, sure. So he brought me in um, an album called uh, Surf Party, which was a soundtrack, but that had four songs from the astronauts on it. Oh. And it's suddenly like a holy grail. I was just like, I can't believe like the, the, the plucking reverb. Like that was to me the ultimate surf sound was the astronauts. So that's kind of what I tried to do. Now I didn't have very good gear back then. I had a Gibson S1, which is kind of like the cheapest guitar that Gibson made, but I was lucky that it had three single coils on it. And I had a, a Yamaha amp, which I actually found in the garbage. People used to throw amplifiers <laughs> out in the days that yeah. kids weren't using them, right? So that was my gear. So it happened to have a reverb on it. So I could kind of get that sound. But when we went into the studio in 1981, I didn't bother bring my amp down because it was crappy and they had a Fender Twin in the studio. So I actually had a reverb, yeah, you know, to record and we did six songs in an afternoon, which sound funny now. It's funny, I couldn't even afford the reel-to-reel -to, -reel to get the final mix on it. So all I had was a cassette copy of those six songs. Oh, wow. You know, it's just, we'd never been in a studio before. We didn't know you could overdub. You know, we just had no concept of what we were getting into. Yeah. So, but that's so the astronauts were big. You know, slowly I started buying. In 1981, this compilation came out called New Wave Surf Party. 
And that was kind of my introduction to know that there was a lot of surf bands in the 60s. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew the beach movies, but you know, you don't know either that a real band or those actors in shorts jumping around. You can't really tell. Right. So New Wave's party came out in 81, had tons of old independent surf instrumental songs on it. And it kind of really opened my eyes up to what surf should sound like. So that was a pivotal album for me. So that's kind of my, where we draw our sound from. I mean, when we got the band back together again, I kind of looked at the old set lists. I thought, I'm not playing this. I'm not, like, they were all the typical songs and I didn't want to be playing the typical covers. So I picked Oceanside, Surf Rider, and maybe Calhoun Surf, which the Ray Beats played. Uh, Danny Amos from Low Straight Jackets wrote that song. And then I ended up writing 10 songs in 10 days. Wow. I just thought, I want some new material. So every day I wrote a new song and I think we've recorded five or six of them since. But so then it was like old original songs, new original songs and a couple covers. So the new bands I like, I mean, there's so many out there, but I really, like I've mentioned Atomic Mosquitoes, I think they're really, really cool. Um, trying to think who really kind of sticks. I love the Volcanics. Oh yeah. Um, Black Ball Bandit. You know, those are really good bands and, and they have this fat surf sound, which I think is pretty cool. You know, there's, there's so many bands out there. Like you can't believe it. You know, I just, you look at what's going on in South America and it's just like a plethora of amazing instrumental bands down there. Yeah. Well, so, what, do you, what do you think in the last 10 years uh, made the surf scene blow up so much? Um, I think the internet, you know, the internet makes the world smaller. Um, it's fun music to play. Like if you do it right and you play, a, like we play parties a lot still and you can really get people dancing. We're, we're a show band. This is why we've never done an online performance during the lockdown. I think personally that would suck. Like to experience the Wasegas, you got to be standing in front of us because we're going to be standing next to you and behind you and on your tables. And, and we're going to, we have a crazy show and people enjoy it. So I think the last 10 years, the internet has allowed a lot of bands to show how good they are because in the olden days, how would you hear say about a band from France or a band from Ecuador or a band from Mexico? It's, it's really, really hard to hear that. But now they can just post their music and you just go, Oh, the Hitchcocks, man, they're awesome. Yeah, You know, so I think that really helps those bands down there because now they're getting feedback outside of their country, outside of their city, you know, and, yeah, and that's, I don't know if you know, I, I do a radio show and I try really hard to focus on bands outside of North America. I, I, I think um, I want to see Sean Barry and Johnny and um, Art. They, they focus a lot on the European slash Russian um, groups, which blow me away that those, that, that, they, that they nail the sound so well. Yeah, and even if they don't nail the sound, even if they bring something new to the table, it's cool. You know, I'm not a traditionalist, you know, as much as I love the sound of the astronauts, if a band doesn't sound like them, I'm okay with that. You know, if they have a drum machine and some weird synthesizer mixed in there, that sounds good to me. You know, I just, 
I like what's good and and you know you can you can spot the fakes pretty quick. Yeah. So um, I noticed when we first got on, you have some pretty rad pictures behind you. You want to tell me about about your uh, Ramon's uh, obsession? Yeah. So I guess when I was a real little kid, I was such a huge Ramones fan. If you see pictures of me when I'm 12 years old, I got a John Ramon hairdo and I couldn't afford a leather jacket. So it was just like a, a dark blue jean jacket. But I saw the Ramones about 30 times. I, you know, I saw them in LA. I saw them in Houston, Texas. I saw them in, in, in London. I, you know, they were just an amazing band. The first time I saw them, I was so tiny and I pushed my way up to the front. I don't think my feet touched the ground. I was wedged in between people, you know, and <laughs> as a kid going down to the record store and getting their autograph on their first album. And, you know, I, I've got leather jackets. I have a massive Ramones t-shirt collection. Um, these pictures are by Shepard Ferry and he does limited edition prints of the guys in the band, you know, after they're deceased. So I don't want to put any more up there, but I'm good with the four. Um, my wife and I painted this wall, especially to hang those pictures. And if you look up, we got stars up there, which make it totally Ramones. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, you know, there's, that's just one, one, one band that I just, uh, I always followed in 19, I don't know, I think it was maybe 1983, my buddy interviewed him for a college newspaper, and Joe, Joey, and Joey had broken his Coke bottle glasses, so he took him into a market near where we lived, and then helped him get his glasses fixed, and Joey took a liking to my friend Dave, and he says, why don't you guys come on tour with us, we're playing Ottawa next. So we all got in the car, totally unprepared, and we drove to the next city, and I mean, I had like 20 bucks in my pocket and like surf shorts on and running shoes and a t-shirt. I didn't have a coat. I didn't have pants. I didn't have a wallet. I just had some money in my back pocket. So we get there and of course everything's disorganized, but Joey walks us through the front of the bar. We see the show, we meet Joey after, and then we go out and we got to buy some beer because we're sleeping in Joey's hotel room that night. So Ottawa, they stopped selling beer at 11, but it's right on the border of Quebec. And then, you know, Quebec, they, they give ba babies beer. So anyone can get mm -hmm. alcohol. So we drove into Quebec and I got everyone's money together. And I went in the store and I said, I got to buy some beer. And they go, oh, well, we don't sell alcohol past one or whatever it was. And I said, man, we just want some beer. And I put the money down. He goes, you can have a 12 pack. Just go in the freezer and leave. So I get in there, I thought, oh, what the heck, I'm grabbing a 24 pack. So he's chasing me out the door and I'm running up <laughs> in the car with Joey Ramon and we're zooming through the streets of Quebec trying to get back to his hotel room. And it was cool. We just kind of sat and talked to Joey all night long. And, and uh, you know, we had a lot to talk about music. Richie Ramon was, had just joined the band then. So he came in for a while. And, and he just seemed like a lonely guy, but it was funny. We just, it was talked about rock and roll all night long, you know? And then he goes, so do you guys want to come to Montreal? You know, it's just, we were on fumes getting home. In fact, my mom emptied my dad's lawnmower gasoline into a pot so we could pour it in my friend's car so he could get home. And that's how on fumes we were when we got to my house. So. It's an incredible story. <laughs> Would you say, would you say the Ramones at that point 
uh, or what sparked it for you? Nah, because when I heard that, because I was always into rock and roll music. I, you know, as much as I was living in North America, my friends were listening to like Boston and Styx and Pink Floyd. And I mean, they're good bands. That's not me. You know, going to England every year, I was really into glam rock. So I was into the sweet and Gary Glitter and David Bowie and Roxy Music. So I looked like a freak. I literally, I went to a high school where everyone was in like jeans and t-shirts and I had like plaid pants and, and long hair. Some people thought I was a girl and my hair was so long. And when the Ramones came along, it just sounded like more rock and roll, just a lot faster. Totally dug it like right away. You know, it's, it's, I remember we were in a record store, me and my buddy, and this music was playing going, oh my God, this is so stupid. I want to sniff glue. This is, and the next song comes on and then it's like, I got to see who this is. And it was the Ramones. And we were laughing all the way home. Man, that's the dumbest band we've ever heard. And I was singing the songs in school all week long. And I couldn't wait for Saturday morning to come so I could go back downtown and buy the record. That's you know, so, and that's, and, and it was one of those things, like I'd seen pictures of them, but I hadn't heard them. You know, it was just a different time when you would, I used to buy um, in a magazine called New York Rocker, um, uh, Rock Scene. And they always had like all the New York bands, like the New York Dolls and Robert Gordon and whatnot. And you kind of got a sense of what was going on there and they all look cool, but you never heard them. That was a problem. You never heard them and you're thirsty for new music. So Ramones opened a big door. Yeah. So, you know, and that's going to England like every summer. I go record hunting and come back with, oh my gosh, I just found the Buzzcocks. These guys are great. And, you know, it just all goes from there, right? Yeah, totally. So, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. It was a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else you want to talk about or uh, maybe, you know what I saw on your Facebook page, this killer guitar that you play. Yeah. yeah so um, when I trying to get my spark back to play guitar, I needed, I didn't have any guitars that actually worked and I was going to be joining a band. So I knew I needed a Gretsch playing a rockabilly band um so I, I borrowed one at first but i saw this hallmark uh guitar for sale online and i thought well they're like moss rights which is like what johnny played so i just thought on a whim i'm gonna buy this thing so i got a gold hallmark sweatwing and i fell in love with the guitar it just they play so well they sound so good but it wasn't really right for a traditional rockabilly band so you know, I, I got a proper Gretsch for that band. But that's what got me playing again. So when I decided to do the Wasegas seriously, not for the reunion show, when the reunion, everyone just used whatever they had. When I thought, I want to do this properly, I reached out to Bob Shade, who, um, who owns Hallmark Guitars. I told him what we're doing. He was kind of interested. And I said, well, listen, I need a matching guitar and bass for this. And uh, he had to make me the bass because... Um, he only had parts left and sent, so he sent it up and then we had matching guitars. And then I found another one used online that was black. I had it refinished. So all our guitars are gold sparkle, you know, and, and uh, we're kind of getting known now, I guess, for those gold sweat wings, which, you know, we, we play them. They don't just, they're not just for live that we use them all on the albums. They sound fantastic. 
So, you know, uh, check out the Hallmark guitars. He's got Moss Wright style guitars. He's got the uh, Sweat Wings. He's got Stardates. He's, he makes one that looks like the Batmobile, you know, so they're cool looking guitars, but they're playable. They're not like those goofy looking guitars and then you try and play them, they fall apart in your hands, you know. One, so one Hallmark guitars I want to ask you, speaking of Moss Wright, uh, I want to hear about your Moss Wright story. I'm going to keep that one quiet because I don't need people breaking in the windows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll keep that one quiet. But it is. Yeah. It is listen. Cool. Yeah. But listen, I can tell stories all day long. You should have the Mark Malibu story session once a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, I, I really, uh, I really look forward to hearing more from you. Um, and I'd love to pick up that vinyl, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I check you out on Bandcamp. Yep, we're on Bandcamp. We got vinyl and we got CD and downloads, and I think I'm gonna put our t-shirts up there eventually. So there you go. Awesome. Who does your artwork? We have a guy in Winnipeg called Darren Marianak, and he's been doing artwork for bands like Electric Frankenstein and, and people for years. Uh, and I really wanted him to do uh, the Return of the Wasegas album. When I first contacted him, he goes, oh, man, I'm too busy. And he kind of blew me off. So then I reached out to other people, including the guy that was doing, like, the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books. And wow. then Darren got back to me. He goes, hey, I got some free, free time. Because I knew I wanted to me. The image I put forward with the band is we're like the punk rock Archies. That's kind of us in a nutshell, image-wise. So... Darren got back, he goes, okay, I'll do it. And I said, this is what I want. The band's coming out of a time tunnel because we're just reunited, you know, 32 uh -huh. or 34 years ago playing, comes out of a time tunnel. So he did that and it was amazing. So then I asked him to do Crash Monster Beach. He's done that. I think Dance Party of Go-Go is his best work for the band so far. Um, the four song EP is gonna have something very special from him uh, as well. And so he's done, you know, four things for us. And I really like him. He had a comic book out for a while called Rockin' Bones, which is hard to find now, but it's amazing artwork. So uh, highly recommend Darren. He's a great guy. If you look at him, he's done like, I think a thousand album covers, something wow. crazy. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much, Mark. I had, uh, I had a lot of fun listening to your stories and talking with you and wish you luck in 2021 and uh i hope you have a happy new year and say hi to the rest of the band for me will do thank you for having me on and like i said anytime you need anything let me know awesome